Hour 3 with me and my co-host and partner in crime. He's in Boston. I'm in L.A. Staying with me, Brad Bannon. Live with me, Leslie Marshall, on the only true democracy in talk radio. Don't forget, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance at geico.com. Well, in this hour, you, me, and Brad Bannon are going to talk, and we're going to talk. It is a, a Friday. And I have to say, at first, when I looked at this topic, I thought, oh, it's a Friday afternoon. I don't want to bum everybody out. But I, I think it's a good topic. And I, I think that it's a topic that many, many people, um, I think pretty much everybody has an opinion on. It can be polarizing. It can be emotional. But hang tight. Brad, you and I can handle emotional and polarizing, right? <laughs> oh, sure we can. We're hardy native-born New Englanders. Absolutely. People with grievous and irreversible medical conditions should have the right to ask a doctor to help them die. That is the latest in the highest court in the country of Canada's ruling. And by the way, it's a unanimous ruling. The Supreme Court of Canada, like the SOT uh, uh, the Supreme Court of the SOTUS uh, here. The Supreme Court of Canada says a law that makes it illegal for anyone to help a person commit suicide should be amended to allow doctors to help in specific situations. Now, this ruling only applies to competent adults with enduring intolerable suffering who clearly consent to ending their lives. Now, obviously, what is enduring, what is intolerable, uh, what is uh, an irreversible medical condition or a grievous medical condition would be, I would imagine, up to a physician to decide. But the court has given federal and provincial governments 12 months to craft legislation to respond to this ruling. The ban on doctor-assisted suicide stands until that time. Now, if the government does not write a new law... The court's exemptions for physicians will stand. Okay, so in other words, they've got a year to rewrite law. If not, this will become the new law of the land. The Justice Minister, Peter McKay, released a short statement acknowledging that the ruling covers a sensitive issue for many Canadians with deeply held beliefs on both sides. He said, quote, we will study the decision and ensure all perspectives on this difficult issue are heard. Now, the case was brought by the B.C. Civil Liberties Association, sort of like the ACLU in Canada. It is on behalf of two women, Kay Carter and Gloria Taylor. Now, both of whom have passed away since that legal battle began. Now, both women had degenerative diseases and wanted the right to have a doctor help them die. A lawyer on behalf of Carter and Taylor argued that they were being discriminated against because their physical disabilities did not allow them to kill themselves the way able-bodied people could. So, one, Carter went to Switzerland with her daughter to die, and then Taylor uh, died from ALS in 2012. The ruling is, I think we all know, not reversible, terrible disease. The ruling, and many people refer to it as Lou Gehrig's disease, Uh, the ruling is not limited to those with a physical disability who require a physician's assistance to end their lives. All nine justices, uh, as they have nine, as we do, uh, shared the writing credit on the ruling. And by the way, um, it's an unusual action on this Canadian court. Uh, It is meant to single signal, excuse me, particular institutional weight behind the decision. In other words, not only did they all agree and were unanimous in the the, the ruling and how they ruled upon this and why they ruled upon this, it's an even stronger statement from uh, that position. The one-year delay in implementing the ruling means that the bans on doctors assisting in suicide does remain in place until then. Now, Lee Carter and her husband, Hollis Johnson, 
said Kay Carter died happy. She died with a smile on her face because she died the way she wanted to. Asked about a woman with a physical disability who said she now feels the pressure to end her life, Ms. Carter said she was sorry to hear that because the woman, quote, has so much to live for. She said, I want everybody in this country to live the life as they want to, but for those that don't want to continue, that have an incurable illness, I'm glad that they have a choice. The court awarded full costs to the BCC LA and the other appellants, including Kay Carter's family. And the Canadian government bears most of the cost, and, and the British Columbian province, where the process started, bears 10% of the trial cost, plus whatever cost it costs the province to appear at the Court of Appeals and the Supreme Court. Uh, the costs, by the way, were awarded because the case was nationally important and decided for a national uh, across the board in Canada. Um, uh, on that level. Now, in weighing the argument that the prohibition on doctor-assisted death breached the two women's rights, the court found the charter right to life doesn't require an absolute prohibition on assistance in dying. They said, quote, this would create a duty to live rather than a right to die and would call into question the legality of any consent to the withdrawal or refusal of life-saving or life-sustaining treatment. An individual's choice about the end of her life is entitled to uh, respect. The court also found an individual's response to a grievous and irremediable medical condition is a matter critical to their dignity and autonomy. The law already allows uh, palliative sedation and refusing artificial nutrition, hydration, and refusing life-sustaining medical equipment. They continued, and by leaving people to endure intolerable suffering, it impinges on their security of the person. Doctors, however, are by no means compelled to help patients and their lives. The court leaves that up to the professional colleagues that regulate the medicine, but they're going to bear an unusual burden in making that decision, so said the court. Uh, so the court agreed with the, uh, the trial judge in British Columbia that doctors are capable of assessing the competence of patients to consent, found there is no evidence that the elderly or peoples with disabilities are vulnerable to accessing doctor-assisted dying, and the Supreme Court also agreed with the lower court that the safeguards work when they've been set up in jurisdictions that allow physician-assisted suicide. While the ruling sets out specific criteria, it leaves some questions. The decision is silent, for example, on whether depression or mental illness counts as a medical condition, but the court does include psychological pain under the criteria of enduring and intolerable suffering. So in this case, they specifically list what is considered endurable and uh, intolerable. I want, I want to tell you about uh, a person uh, who is a, a conservative, actually, named Stephen Fletcher. He became a quadriplegic after an accident in 1996, and he was at the court and reacted to this decision today. He was already introduced. He had uh, he already introduced a private member's bill, which was also introduced in the Senate before Christmas, to make physician assisted uh, suicide or death uh, legal under Canadian laws. He said, "Quote that bill could be used as a foundation for parliamentarians going forward, although it's not scheduled to come up for debate anytime soon." But he did concede those decisions are made at a higher pay grade than mine. I guess it depends if people want this to be an election issue or not. If it went to a free vote in Parliament, it would pass. There does need to be some criminal code provision, I think, to prevent abuse. I don't want people, because they've had a bad hair day, to get the car mechanic to take them down. But the vast majorities of Canadians, are you ready for this? I don't think America ever has numbers this high. Maybe maybe I think on universal background checks other than this. 84% of all Canadians supported this and, and even supported the physician assisting the death uh, with appropriate appropriate caveats, which, of course, can be a generalization. 
Uh, I want to give you my take. I want to get Brad's, and, and, and I have some questions, and, and I want to get yours. I was very much against physicians assisting anyone in death because my husband's a physician, and physicians take an oath, a Hippocratic oath, to heal. They take an oath to help people live. But there are things that are beyond a doctor's control, and it's inevitable we all die. I also used to feel when I was kind of religious for a while, don't faint, that, you know, we didn't ask to be brought into this world or how we are, and we certainly can't ask how we're taken out. That's God's decision. But didn't God give us the minds to invent the medicine and the surgeries and the technology to live longer and to be able to live pain-free, to cure diseases, and to prolong life? And just because we have the ability to prolong life, should we? Should we just, you know, plug people into like this huge battery and, you know, have machines breathe for them and feed them because we don't want to let go, right? Or maybe they don't want to let go. It wasn't until a couple of things. One, I had a child who died in in infancy from a degenerative disease called canavans. It's a leukodystrophy. It's basically your brain drowns. It's a horrific disease children are pretty much, you know, vegetables. And although there are very few cases of children living older, most die within the first three years of their life from this and other leukodystrophies, there are those that have lived, one just died a couple of years ago, that my mother's company cared for, who was 24 years of age. He was a vegetable his whole life. Did he have a choice to end it? Should he? And I have to tell you my own uh, situation without going into great detail. I was very, very ill. I almost died. I wanted to die. I was in excruciating pain and nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. Thankfully, I found a wonderful doctor who saved my life, took the time to listen to me, do the proper test and research and found out what was wrong with me and was able to cure me. But it was not an easy process. I suffered for nearly a year and a half of my life. I feel I lost almost a year and a half of my life. Many of you wouldn't know it. I was still working on radio and television because I, I, I have too much pride. But I, and I wrote about this, that I contemplated suicide. So I must say that It is not my choice to make for you. And if that is a choice that you want to make, I do not want to stand in the way. I do feel the law should allow you to do it, to die with dignity, whatever the heck that means. And I do feel if you can't do it for yourself, that you should be able to ask a physician who would not be arrested or sued for helping you to do so. That's my two cents. Brad, what's your take on this? Well, I agree with your position here. When uh, I started thinking about this issue of assisted suicide, the first thing I thought of uh, was my father. Uh, he had uh, a, a terminal case of cancer, uh, and he lingered on a long time, and he was obviously suffering. He was obviously in, in a great deal of pain, and he really did feel he, he had lost his dignity because of the treatments and everything. Now, in his case, he would have never considered assisted suicide uh, because he's a very strict, he was a very strict Catholic and would have never entertained the idea. But I would like to think that if he had asked uh, a doctor to end his suffering and pain, uh, there would have, it would have been illegal for a doctor to do that. Uh, one thing you mentioned in your intro is that 84% of the Canadian public favors uh, assisted suicide. Uh, I've seen polls in the United States on that issue, and the support for assisted suicide in the United States is is all 
also very high in the 80% range. Uh, so this is something uh, most Americans agree with. Now, this is not going to be this is not one of those issues I'm going to get upset at people on the other side of the issue because I certainly understand uh, their concerns. Uh, but if it was my parent um, and my parent uh, had wanted to uh, have a doctor end uh, his or her life, I think that uh, they, people should have the right to uh, if, if they want to. All right. Uh, Some questions, and then we're going to take a break and then get to your calls. Should assisted suicide be legal in your opinion? Yes or no? Why or why not? And if legal, should it be regulated at the state level or federal level? Should we, if it's legal, have the choice to ask for assisted suicide? Or should it be up to the doctor? In other words, should it be up to the patient or the doctor to ask to end one's life? 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. Does offering assisted suicide go against the Hippocratic Oath taken by physicians if physicians are involved in assisting with ending one's life? And we're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. And Brad, let's take some calls and see where folks stand on this if if they're in agreement with us. Sound good? Sounds good. Let's go to Maryland first, line three with Richard. Richard, how you doing? Leslie, how are you doing, sweetie? Good. Hey, I uh, I, I saw that and I had to respond. Uh, you friended me on Twitter, which I, which shocked me to death because, as you know, I'm a heat-seeking conservative. So well, I got tons of conservatives following. I got tons of conservatives following me. Tons of conservatives huh? following me. Thousands. I'm sorry, what? I said I have thousands of conservatives who follow me on Twitter. It's okay. However, I have to agree with everything that you have on your post because as a, even as a conservative, as a true Christian, God doesn't want anyone to suffer for the hell of it. And when you've, when you've come to the end of your days and it's not going to be a pretty picture, and by the way, I'm suffering maybe potentially from terminal cancer. One of these days, if, it ne- if necessary, I want a doctor to put the juice in me and say it's gone. I have no problem with that, and I don't think God does either. All right. I think the Bible even says that. Well, I don't know if it really addresses well, yeah, uh, it. yeah, it kind of does. Where, where, where? Where, where? Well, in Christ's message of love, it is, you, <laughs> there's the human condition where you, you have humans just acting as humans, which we are... You know, you put more than three in a room, and, and none of us are going to agree. But nobody, including especially the one who came down here onto our planet and lived the most purest existence ever, wanted anyone to suffer needlessly. Well, I, you so know, I'm I don't, I don't, I don't know where I'm it says, I don't know where it says that uh, specifically in the Bible. I hear you. Well, I think it's, I think it's a good idea, but I don't think that history bears that out. What, you think he wants everyone to die horrible deaths? No, I never said that. I really don't claim to know the mind of God, but I simply say there have been horrible things that happen, and I'm sure that people have cried out. I'm sure that people, before ISIS cuts their head off, cries out to God, and he doesn't stop it. Boko Haram girls or or the people who are being... God knows, all the freaking kids being kidnapped. Well, that's what I'm saying. You don't think those children cry out day and night for someone? God, please save me. God, please bring me back to my mother or father. God, as they're being raped or beaten, please. You know? Honestly, we have a God. It, it, he, he's there. I'm not disputing that. I'm simply oh, okay. saying I just I, I don't claim to know his mindset, and 
I know we, this is going to go into a whole different conversation about free will and whatnot. I'm simply saying I don't think there's proof uh, anywhere, biblically or in life, uh, that um, that he wants no suffering. As a matter of fact, I think it's in Hebrews that it says that you can't uh, you can't know joy without sadness. You can't know uh, without suffering, right? And okay. pain, you can't and know the other. that's true because Christ did go through tons of suffering, but he also went through that tons of suffering so that we would not have to. Yeah, but, you know, well, I, I got you, Richard. I appreciate the call. I got you, Richard. But bottom line here is, though, we do suffer. <laughs> Some people more than others. Some people a lot more than others, unfortunately. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. Uh, Brad and Mark is going to sit in for me just a minute. I got uh, something uh, very important that I have to do, uh, and I will be right, right back with you uh, right here on the Only True Democracy and Talk Radio. Don't go away. Welcome back. This is Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in uh, for a bit for Leslie Marshall. We're talking assisted suicide. The Supreme Court in Canada has made it legal for doctors to assist patients in committing suicides under certain circumstances. Brad, are you going to take some more calls with us? Okay. All right. So we are going to go next to line four here. And uh, what's your take on the assisted suicide? Randy? Yes. I uh I I personally think that it's up to the doctor and the patient, and the government shouldn't be anywhere in it. Uh, my father, I watched my father die of lung cancer, and it was it was um, it was a painful to watch. And I don't think anybody should have to go through that suffering if they're diagnosed with a terminal illness. I really think it should be a contract between a patient and a doctor and nobody else. Do you think that, and I, I hope this question isn't too personal, but, you know, if that was your decision and, and you were in, in the point where you were caring for your father, is that something you wish you had had the option of? Uh, yes. Now, um, if the, it is legal in, in three states and it's being debated in New Jersey, um, do you think that we'll get to a point where it is legal throughout the United States? I mean, our neighbor to the north has just legalized it. I, I think we're going to get to a point where it's going to be up to a doctor and the, and the patient, and, and that's going to be the bottom line. When everything's said and done, it, and nothing should be left to the state. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, anyway, when your life is concerned, nothing, nothing about your life should be left to the government. As far as the living or dying, or and none of that should be left to the government. All right, Randy, thank you very much for your call. Brad, did you want to make any comments on that? Well, I think what Randy reminded me of is that, uh, first of all, there's widespread support for the idea of uh, assisted suicide in Canada and in the United States. Uh, and I think the reason it is, is I think, you know, most Americans have had an experience like Randy's, uh, in, in my own case, where I've seen uh, a loved one die a long, lingering death uh, and just couldn't stand the fact that they were suffering so much. Uh, you know, and I, I think that's why there's so much support. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, three states, uh, Oregon, uh, Washington, and Vermont, already uh, allow uh, 
physician-assisted suicide. And I think you're going to see other states that enact laws, especially uh, on the ballot initiative and referendum, do the same thing because there's widespread public support for it. And the other thing Randy mentioned and I think is important is that this should be a decision between the doctor uh, and the patient. Uh, the government shouldn't say, okay, you can't do this. Uh, this should be purely a decision between the patient uh, and the doctor uh, without any government uh, interference. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a part I think a lot of conservatives and, and liberals and everybody could agree on as well. Maybe that's why there's such uh, widespread support, in, as you noted, in both Canada uh, and the United States. We're going to go next to Michael in the Bronx on Line 5. Michael, you're on with Mark and Brad. How you doing today? Hey there, Mark, and hey there, Brad. Hey, Michael. Hi. I'm sorry, but I probably am maybe the only caller to raise this issue and raise this awareness. And the thing is, is that I question the sincerity of some of the people that are saying they're supporting the assisted suicide because the biggest name right now is um, Bobby Christina Brown, who is the daughter of the late um, Whitney Houston. And she is currently on life support. And I'm hearing so much talk from conservatives saying, oh, we can't have her suffer. That if uh, people want to help her assist suicide and pull the plug, they should be able to. And some um, right-wing reports rushing the judgment saying that the plug, the plug has been pulled or Bobby Christina is dead. And none of that is true yet. However... When you're talking about the rights of the families making that decision or the patient making that decision, may I remind everybody of Terry Schiavo, a white woman who years ago was facing the same situation, and her husband got the court order and permission to go ahead and um, help her, you know, die peacefully and not to feed her anymore. And then remember how conservatives kept saying the natural choice is life and even went as far to violate the federal court order and try to sneak into Ms. Shiloh's room and force feed her something just to try to keep her alive. So my question is, is that now that conservatives are hoping for, a, I don't mean to make it a race issue, but there is a big um, double standard going on here along those lines between Bobby um, Christina Brown, a black woman, and Terry Shavo, a white woman back then. You know, I, I, I can see where you're going with that, Michael. I, I guess I hadn't thought about that point, you know, what people are calling for who to die. But I think it goes back to our last caller before you, Mike, who, who was talking about if you leave it up to the families and the doctors, then you, you all that is out of the way then. And I, I think, Brad, you would agree with me that that is who should be left to make the decision. Yeah, right? I really should. Now, you know, again, uh, as I said in the, uh, at the top of the hour with Leslie, uh, this wasn't an issue when my father was dying. He was a very uh, uh, religious Catholic, and he would have never considered it. But if he had wanted uh, to end his life, and he wasn't had cancer, he suffered uh, for more than a year. Uh, I'd be damned if uh, you know the federal government was going to tell me uh, that he couldn't get what he wanted if that's had what he wanted. So again, I just think it's you know purely it just should be a personal decision made between the patient uh, and the family. And uh, you know this is a classic example, and I think this is why. 
why there's so much public support for the idea, uh, where, you know, government shouldn't intrude. Uh, and again, I think there should be a personal decision between the patient uh, and his or her doctor. All right, let's go to Ron in New Mexico. Ron, thanks uh, for calling. You're on with Mark and Brad. What's your take on the uh, assisted suicide topic that's come about thanks to the Supreme Court ruling in Canada? Well, I think it's a life issue. I don't care about the doctor. It's my life. I'm in control of my life. I have free will to make a choice of what I want. Now, if I lose my, I'm going to tell you, I have a personal issue here because my wife died three years ago. She suffered for six years with cancer, and in the end, uh, she had a medical power of attorney, but I had no say-so. I had to wait till the daughter got here, and she had told me and the daughter weeks before, about a month or so before, anything ever happened. She never wanted to go into a hospice. She never wanted to go to a nursing home. And as soon as her daughter got here, we had a situation where she was supposed to go into a skilled care nursing home the next day. I'd been with her 12 nights or 11 nights in a row. I couldn't be with her one night. I come back the next day, and she was in a coma. Oh I'm an investigator. Goodness. I did some investigating and found out that she'd been given Ativan at 12:17 and 3:17, and, and the neurologist told me that's too much. She never came out of that. They took her home. They put her in the hospice. She never got to the skilled nursing home. I feel like that. That there was. I don't know what happened there. And and the thing I've got a problem with is if you're going to put somebody in a hospice, I think from a standpoint of being uh, with integrity, that the doctors that are the doctors that are treating you and keep you alive have no damn business being your doctors whenever you go to a hospice. Everybody knows a hospice is not going to be a hotel where you're going to walk out. They expect you to die within six months or less. And the problem is when they put her in the home hospice, they left the daughter in charge, and, and I have signed away everything. The daughter inherits everything. She, they gave her morphine to give her. She gave her too much morphine. How do I know that? Because when the nurse came, she said, you've given her too much morphine. You should have some checks and balances on people who stand to inherit everything. There is greed. I don't care what you say. There's money, power, and greed. If you don't believe me, just watch how people fight over everything. No, I, you know, I do believe you. It, it, it's interesting that you bring that up because this is Mark, by the way. I haven't spoken with you before, but I, I appreciate you sharing because it's a very personal story. Um, my best friend's mother, unfortunately, passed away this year, and she had home hospice care, and they never thought twice about looking into anything like you just mentioned. And, you know, I was sitting down with my best friend and his father, and this was in the final days of her life, and they were very turned off by the nurse because they gave them this quote-unquote emergency kit with all these drugs, some of which you mentioned that they had in the refrigerator. And she was, you know, pretty she, – she obviously was sick. She was terminally ill with cancer, but she was able to walk up and down the stairs. She was able to go to the grocery store with my friend. After they came and started treating her, it went downhill very fast. And then this is when they started hearing about a lot of different stories about what you're saying, which is the goal is to end the life, I don't know how else hell to say it, but by a certain time. Um, so I think there definitely has to be accountability. There has to be a plan where you're just, you know, distinguishing between someone who is terminally ill. They should have a say in how they want their end of life care to be. Otherwise, you are going to have these, you know, for-profit companies basically saying, you know, I know this sounds harsh, but if they're thinking about, oh, we have this many beds, you know, we want to have this many intakes of patients, and we're making money this way, that's when I think you have to get the for-profit industry out of it. And knowing the way that a lot of the healthcare is run. In, in America anyway, 
unfortunately, that's a big problem. Now, in Canada, you know, I think because they have the public health system, maybe they don't have the same strains that we do. But I definitely think you raise a, a very good issue, um, which is to make sure we look into that, you know, before we would go ahead with anything like this. Uh, is there anything else that you came yeah, away from say, the experience I with? Say one more thing. Yeah. Whenever she went to the home hospice, she went into rattles. I ever, I watched my mom, and my mom died of ALS. I watched my dad, it didn't die, but I watched him just waste away. And I'm just saying, when she had rattles, I didn't know what was going on. She was choking, 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 choking. And when she was choking, as I said, I didn't have medical fire of attorney. I called an ambulance, and they wouldn't let the ambulance come out. they come out with a hospice. They take you off all your defensive drugs when you're in a hospice. And that's what I'm saying, all defensive drugs. And the point was, my wife had a brain tumor. She, I mean, she had a brain tumor is what she had, and it, it was horrific. It was horrific. We had a nursing home ministry. We watched what happened, some of those things. But I'm going to tell you one more story, quick, that happened right here in Albuquerque that's going on right now. We, I have a situation where a friend of mine's dad, his mom, first of all, died of cancer. He had to come back and take care of his dad, who had Alzheimer's and cancer. And they told him, uh, they put him in a hospice at home. And what he did was, whenever he came to see his dad to take over, the hospice people told him, we own you and we own your house, period. Well, that didn't go well. That wouldn't go well with me either. And first of all, what he did was he said, you get out of here, you come and see him once a month, and you get him off every single solitary drug you've been giving him. And plant in mind, he, he supposedly had these ailments for two or three years and been treated for these ailments two or three years. They kicked him off the hospice. He died three and a half years later after they kicked him off. He took him to a doctor. He didn't have Alzheimer's. He didn't have cancer. They misdiagnosed. They even sent a letter out uh, two and a half years earlier that he had six weeks to live. I'm telling you, there's problems here. There's problems here. There's major problems here. And, And these doctors have no damn business being on both sides of the coin where they have not only plausible deniability, they have a legal situation where all they got to do is carte blanche say, well, he's this, he's that, he's this, he's that. So I'm just saying that. And when you get a second opinion, they want you to get a second opinion from the same doctor in the same firm. Uh, absolutely. No, absolutely. Ron, I've heard, you know, it, the more and more people who tell me similar stories, the more and more it raises red flags. So I'm, we're going to have to let you go here. But thank you All for right. sharing. And I'm really sorry to hear about the loss of your wife, but I appreciate you sharing your personal story with us. All right, Brad, we're going to go to a quick break. We'll be back with the rest of your call. So if you're holding, please hang tight, and we'll get to you right after this break. This is Mark Romali and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. We're talking about assisted suicide, uh, thanks to the Canadian Supreme Court legalizing it uh, just this week. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romali, Leslie's executive producer, and our guest host, Brad Bannon, in for Leslie to finish this hour off. We were talking about assisted suicide which is now going to be the law of the land in Canada, thanks to a Canadian Supreme Court decision this week. Uh, next, we're going to go to Fleet in Virginia on line four. You are on with Brad Bannon and Mark Grimaldi. How are you doing today, Fleet? Hi, Brad Mark. I'm doing well, thanks. Hi. Um, hi. Um, just calling, I have more of a general belief in this. Um, it's kind of a no-win issue. Um You know, you can look at it either way, but I think that what it comes down to is personal choice and the directive of the do not resuscitate orders and that kind of thing. And it's kind of like taking your dog uh, to the vet to put him to sleep. You don't really want to do it, but you don't want the dog to suffer. So rather than stringing it out and putting him in hospice and that kind of thing, if you have a do not resuscitate order, I think the decision should be, I guess, what the Supreme Court's decided in Canada, that you should just put them to sleep rather than have them 
suffer and hang out in the hospice. Well, um, they, I guess the, the, what they give is they give the choice to the patient and the family. So it, there it's going to be plenty of people who don't take it who will still have resuscitate, have the end-of-life care and to keep themselves alive as long as possible. So they're if not... they want it. If they want it, I agree. Yeah. Uh, but if they don't want it, they should have the choice to just be... I, I don't want to say the word kill, but... No, but to... Put to sleep in the hospital. Exactly. So you support the people having these rights? Yeah. Now, it, this is... I, I think it's something interesting we all read about, but then we start to think about our families. And then inevitably, I think, you know, Brad, you probably experienced this... After talking about your father, I'm, I'm sure at some point you start thinking about yourself, you know, uh, to, to ask, you know, Brad, first, have you thought about if you were in that situation, what you would do? Well, uh, first of all, you know, I, one thing I want to make clear is that there are three states in the United States, as you said, uh, Oregon, Washington, Vermont, who do permit uh, physician-assisted suicide, and any of these cases... No one's being, you know, no one's being forced to do it. Oh no, it, it's absolutely. It, it, no, it simply allows the patient to make the choice without government, without a government ban. Uh, so you, I think you said it was came down to personal choice, and that's what it comes down to me. Uh, the other thing I think is worth mentioning about the Canadian decision, uh, especially uh, for our last caller, is that one thing the Canadian High Court did was uh, they made this decision, but they essentially stayed the decision for one year uh, so the Canadian Parliament can work out uh, the details uh, so that uh, this, is, this assisted uh, suicide is not abused. And, you know, there is all, as our last caller said, there is possibility for abuse. Uh, and I think that's why the Supreme Court in Canada stayed their decision, so the Canadian government could work out a system where there aren't any abuses. And that, that seems like a sensible way of doing well, things to me. I think, I think that hospice, you know, hospice is a, a failure, a failed system, I think, because it, you know, it strings it out. Um, I think if their doctors are saying there's no chance and that you should go into hospice, that the better choice is to just end it ended as soon as possible because I know of a situation when my grandfather passed away through hospice and the family just suffered and in my opinion my grandfather suffered in the weeks that lasted beyond that date that they said put him in hospice and it's just my personal opinion that you should do all you can to make sure the patient is comfortable and taken care of as quickly as possible rather than have them suffer through hospice. All right, Fleet. Well, thank you very much for your call. Thank you for sharing your opinion. Next, we're going to go to Bob in New Mexico. Bob, what's your take on this topic? And thanks for calling. Hi, this is Bob. And, you know, I, I support assisted suicide, and uh, it's the individual's choice. And I think uh, constitutionally, I think under the, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that each individual has the right to choose that. Now, do you do you think in your own life have there been any circumstances that you or a family member has encountered where you think that this would have given someone more of a choice in how their medical care was handled? Well, fortunately, um, my parents and uh, my wife's parents all died fairly quickly, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't a choice we had to make. 
Well, that's good. I mean, I think a lot of people, too, you know, until you, you run into something like that, Brad, like you were talking about with your father, um, I actually faced that with my, my mother. Um, I was pretty young. I was only 17, but I remember specifically going into hospice. And, it, you know, at the time it was actually I was very upset, you know, because I felt like they were giving up by, by yeah. moving her to hospice. But there was a time when I think it was helpful for my family in particular because the hospital was very hectic. Doctors were only coming in certain amounts of time, and we had a lot of questions. Whereas, you know, once we got to hospice, it, it, they were helpful in transitioning to that stage. But I also definitely have seen the bad end of it. So I, I think it's kind of yeah. uh, a mixed bag. Um, we are running out of time, Bob, so I'm going to thank you for your call. And, Brad, I'm going to let you have the last word on this. Well, again, it comes down to personal choice. The person who is suffering should have the decision, and the government should not have the power to overrule that, that very personal choice. All right, Brad, thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to having you again uh, next Friday. To everyone who called today, we really appreciate your contributions, especially on a sensitive topic like this. We hope you have a good weekend. Leslie will be back live uh, this coming Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Until then, take care and have a good one.